with clever meme, with funny tweet, I'll never leave my office seat. Those who think they know what's right, listen on Sundays to NetHeads, alright? You've got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek giving you the info you need to achieve mega nerd status mega nerd status netheads 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 you guys rock and now here's will and trent or maybe just will this week we'll see for all i know trent could join in as we're moving along or he might not i don't know that's we're playing it by ear, and the reason why we're playing by ear. Hi, everybody. My name is Will. Welcome. Um, reason why we're playing by ear is because I, you know, uh, when you're behind the scenes, you learn a lot of stuff. And anything I have learned, it is that uh, podcast numbers don't go up when you don't do shows, which is the reason why uh, we're here right now talking. And I said we. Well, still we, but you don't have Trent. Will. Well, that's true. Um, Trent actually, for those that don't know, last week he had Salt Lake Comic Con and he's got a day job. So he's got had just, he's had so much stuff going on that, you know, you just can't, you can't put upon people all the time. And really, uh, yeah, yes, there is some monetary side to this stuff, but when you're a lonely little podcast, like we are, it's not like you're, you're rolling in advertising dollars. No, you're just, you're making it up as you go. And that's what we're doing today. Now, um, let me tell you guys a little story first real quick here. Uh, today is a special show uh, because it is one of the times, and there's only been one other time before this, where I have gotten to bring what I would definitely call my passion to the show. Uh, the first time was actually on the podcast, I think, Radio Askew, uh, and I got to talk to a person that had been on a reality show. And this show is its one of my favorites only because of the complexities that occur with the contestants once they go uh, where they go for this. And you're thinking, oh, my God, he's talking Survivor. No, I'm not. Right network, wrong show. Now, uh, it's also interesting to me the way that worlds collide and they intersect. In this case, uh, all of you know I, I, I have the benefit of, uh, of being able to lend my professional services to Kevin Smith and Smodco. And uh, through that, I got to meet a guy who I really dig. He is an animator, and his name is Josh. Josh Stifter, you've heard him here on the show. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, even though I had chatted with the person that's on the podcast with us today, previously uh via twitter i i still didn't realize there was a, a freaking connection and, and there was uh because josh has been on the show and then uh, it turns out after the fact after i found out he already followed me which i don't understand i mean this is a guy with uh around roughly seventy five thousand followers on twitter in case you're also wondering why he's on the show that's another reason you know it's always a benefit it's always a boost you hope for some of that cross-pollination and guess what shit never happens but you know what it, we can use that as an excuse to get him in, and that's all I care about. So it turns out I don't know what way to introduce him. This person 
most of you do not know him as the actual friend of Josh Stifter. Not like, oh, well, he was on TV and now we're friends. No, I mean, like, friends before this shit happened to him. And that shit is a little show on CBS. Happens every summer. And it's happening this fall, too. And I want to talk to him about this just to get his take on it, amongst many other things. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go ahead and just say it right here, right now. I'd like to welcome two netheads for the first time, hopefully not the last, uh, Mr. McCray Olson, uh, coming to us live from Minnesota. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Dude, the pleasure is all mine because, uh, as I said before, I got to uh, interview on Radio Skew Matt Hoffman. I don't know why the dude was uh, was willing to come on other than the fact that, you know, I, I think he knew uh, his time had, had hit a crescendo so he could start doing the shitty little podcasts instead. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and no, Hoffman's a great dude. Great guy. He really is. He's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, dude even sent me uh, all of his albums. I mean, you know, it was so dude, that was blanks. a thrill for me. Shut up. <laughs> dude, I got it right up. Um, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, McCray, for those of you that don't know, he was a contestant on the CBS reality show Big Brother, which for those of you listening in the UK know, it's a very different uh, version of the show. Ever since uh, season two, it's it's kind of gone in its own direction, if you will. And uh, I have been a watcher of the show since season one, about halfway through, because at the time I was working at a place called Comedy World. And we happened to have this, uh, I think one of the shows on the network had this crazy megaphone lady in who had been utilizing access to some canal to yell stuff into the contestants which used to be a big thing um for those of you that don't know big brother it's really simple they converted a sound stage into a house with a studio outside of it uh people go get sequestered after they get chosen for the show they go into this house and it's now and basically for the lucky people to make it all the way to the end it's 90 plus days of isolation uh so first of all mccray i gotta ask you uh why why Big Brother? Uh-oh. Figures. I think we lost him. Oh, there we go. Oh, can now you hear me? Back. Um, technical difficulty. Sorry, folks. Um, my mom was a big fan of Big Brother. Uh, she loved it. I was always like, whatever. I don't care. It's like reality TV garbage. Uh, I kind of like Survivor, but I still didn't get into it that much. Um, one season, I believe it was season six, my mom was like, this is a season that you should watch because these people are out of control. They're nuts. Like, they're just crazy people. And I was like, I'll give that a try. Uh, started watching it, and sure enough, they're throwing chairs. Like, people are just getting wild. Um, and I was like, this is great. But once, like, that's just like the surface of Big Brother is drama and all the reality uh, show aspects of it. But the true beauty of Big Brother lies underneath uh, the surface. It's the manipulation, um, the subtle tactics of trying to get your opponent to do. It's, it's uh, as my good friend Spencer Clausen from my season also describes it, it's the, the greatest game that a man could ever play or a, a human could ever play. Um, you know, it's like hunting humans essentially just because you're using your mind you're using your wits you're using your skills to try to outmaneuver outmanipulate um and try to kick people off week by week and like as i started seeing this on tv and as i started like kind of realizing that the strategy is just so beautiful um i was hooked and then sure enough season seven comes along and that's the one with dr will and if anyone knows big brother they know dr will is uh, just a god among men, uh, someone who is the greatest just because he's the best at manipulating, he's cocky, he's uh, egomaniacal, he's just, he's great. So after that, I was hooked. Um, 
obsessed. Uh, I love the show. Watch it every season. Started watching live feeds. The other beauty, uh, beautiful. Oh my God. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Oh my gosh. Um, sorry about that folks. I live in the boonies. Um, so, uh, uh, the other beauty thing, uh, a beautiful thing about big brother is, uh, I, I completely lost what I was going with that. The live feeds. And, but live feeds. cause there, there comes to a certain point where fans of the show, thankfully I, uh, I think it was after your season. Uh, I, I I officially that was the last one where I last minute subscribed to the live feeds. Yeah, uh, because uh, there's only so much you can do, but it's great too it, when you do join in in this experience because uh, you can see what actually happens, and then you get to see the way they cut it on the show. Yeah, the difference between Survivor and Big Brother. Uh, one of the biggest uh, differences is that. Survivor is edited. The Survivor films their whole show. They bring it back to the editing bay and narrative of like, uh, they know who the winner is. So they can cut up a uh, narrative that makes it seem like, okay, well, this winner is more deserving. And usually uh, the winners are people that everyone likes because they can set this scene and they can set, they can tell the tale that makes this person seem like a good guy. In Big Brother, uh, the producers don't get that. Uh, the producers have to go with it on the fly because literally the show is being cast out onto the internet 24 seven. Um, everything that we do in the house is being watched. There's cameras in the bathrooms. Uh, there's cameras cameras everywhere you know uh <laughs> so you know it's uh it's kind of it's it's a lot different so the narrative isn't always there of like here's the good guy the good guy should win at the end of the season it, you know so it's it's very different but uh yeah that's one of the beautiful things is watching humans interact you're watching hamsters in a cage uh interact with each other i think the best part about big brother is that i'm a scientist i get to sit and watch uh, my little puppets move around about and see how they interact with each other. See how human nature really happens. I, I That's what I like about Big Brother, I guess. I think the part that trips me out the most about it, and yeah, I said trips me out, but I'm in California. <laughs> deal with it. Um, the part that really blows my mind about it is the psychological effect that happens to the contestants once they're in this house. Because, you know, all you've got is whatever production gives you and, and whatever they create for you but, yeah. but then there's you playing against everyone else and it's just amazing the way for example intimidation just seems to play out week by week depending on who is quote unquote in charge through the head of household yeah and uh there's no uh, like so we get no books. There's no outside connection with the world. Um, you can have a religious text if you want. I brought a Bible just because I'm a reader. I'm not yeah, but um, but that's a like that's a thing. Is literally you are matching wits with every single person uh, day to day, 24 hours you have to spend with these people that you've never met before. Where you're from all different walks of life, and you have to sit and try to figure out how you're gonna maneuver around these different people. It is really weird that you know, say on my season, uh, I was in a showman's uh, with a girl named Amanda and everyone was afraid of Amanda and it's not like she had any real power at any point in the game she just had really good connections with a lot of people that were in power and we kind of walked through the game for a good portion of it uh, just kind of intimidating people you know it, it was it, it's really odd it's, it's an odd show yeah well that's what happens though when you lock people in in basically a very large closet and, and you know I think the other thing too that that may happen and maybe you can uh, in, enlighten me on this as well um, but when you're in that, that environment, now folks, uh, for those of you that have never seen it, it's very simple. A lot of the walls in this, uh, house have mirrors because there's cameras behind them. There are mechanical cameras on posts mounted to the ceiling walls everywhere all the time. 
So I'm sure while you're just sitting there trying to exist, for example, you probably hear a, a camera shift and move. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's going to impact you uh, to a level of paranoia because you're like, okay, so wait, did they just turn it on me? I don't want to look to see if they turned it on me. <laughs> but do they turn it on me? Why are they turning it on me? What else is going on that they need this still of me? You know what I mean? Absolutely. So does that play into it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, some people, you can tell when they know the camera's on them, they kind of light up. Uh, they kind of get that it factor. Oh, now I'm going to be like, I'm going to play it up for America. But then there's other times... Um, I mean, like, you can hear a cameraman behind the wall coughing. Like, that is disturbing almost, you know? When you just hear someone coughing, you're like, well, who is... Uh, it's just weird. Um, but, I mean, sometimes... But other times, like, there's a point in the game where the cameras fall away. Like, everything falls away where you forget that you're on TV. Especially with my season. My season's known as, like, the racist season. Um <laughs> We are the shame of Big Brother. But, and again, that's maybe why it was so a crazy season. But, you know, you forget about the cameras. Day 80-something, I, like, walked out of the shower just completely naked and then, like, realized I'm on TV, like, and then I ran back in, you know, and that's out there. You, you can see that. If I don't do it, you're going to be shocked and horrified. But there's definitely naked pictures out there of me. Like, and I was seen, I felt like I was the most, uh, because I was like the biggest fan of the show on my season. So I was super aware of the cameras and stuff like that. But there is a point where you kind of just forget about it. And, uh, you know, everything becomes real. Like no one's playing it up for the cameras anymore. This is how people truly feel. My favorite part of the game is every time people get upset that other people have to leave. Because fundamentally speaking, folks, uh, this, this show is just like Survivor. It's 10 little Indians and... The last one standing wins the big prize. So, I mean, I guess the best thing to say is that, you know, the only thing you could hope is that maybe you get to the end with one other person, or in, in this case now, it seems like they all, you always get to final three, and now you're all part of the sequestered to live show. Uh, but, but I don't know, it just kind of kills me. It's like, do you guys realize what you're saying? Because, like, at least in a given season, 10 other people got to go. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> like, and that's the weirdest thing is like everyone that sits on their couch, like I've been there. I sat and like, why are you crying? Stop crying. You're like, you have, they have to go. Otherwise you're not going to win. Like, but there's something that is the, it, it breaks your psyche. Once you are in there with these people 24 seven, and this is all, you know, it, it quickly becomes a metaphor for life. Uh, you're born into this world. You don't know what you're doing. You're swimming around. You're talking to people. You don't know. You start to gravitate towards certain people, you know, and walking through that door, being on the chopping block is literally your life is on the line. Uh, not literally, uh, but uh, figuratively, your life is on the line. And a lot of times it feels 100% like that. You don't know what is through that door when you walk out. That is like dying, essentially. You don't know what happens after you die. You don't know what you're going to go see. And for whatever reason, it becomes heightened in there. I can't describe it so that anyone can ever understand it, but it's 100% real. Uh, I cried like a little baby uh, when Judd got evicted, my good friend in the house. I cried on national television, just tears, just uh, ugly crying. And I ran into the photo booth and I was covering my face and everyone was consoling me. It's like, what? who is this person? I, I mean, like, there is something about that. There's something about... Uh, 
again, Dr. Will stated uh, recently that every single Big Brother contestant comes out of there with PTSD. I'm not trying to say, oh, it's as bad as war or anything like that, but it's psychologically scarring. It really is. And people do come out with just like, just different. And, uh, and that's a part of the reason why it is almost like dying, you know. Uh, but once you walk through those doors, you know, uh, everyone takes it differently. Um, I, I don't know. It sounds stupid as hell to say. I I feel like such a jackass, but I mean, no. it's real. I think it's a hundred percent real. When you put people in that psychological like war zone, um, you know, there's gonna be scars. Uh, uh, yeah. I think the one thing that I'm kind of shocked in 18 seasons that they haven't done yet, because this mm. to me would be great. If they could get one ex-Navy guy that was has been, like, served time on a submarine, I bet you that guy would just dominate the game. I mean, I, I'm well, and the thing is that I'm sure that those people have, uh, you know, tried out. I'm sure they've got pretty far in casting. Um, but casting is a very rigorous thing where you have to take psych evaluations. You have to take, like... Eight, answer 800 questions like uh surveys and stuff like that just to make sure you're not a lunatic you know well uh, especially because... by the time you came into it at season 15 because we had already seen uh season uh, two justin seabrick uh with the knife to the throat of that girl uh, yep. uh, amazing amazing legendary um yeah of course there's been plenty of instances of people uh getting very physical on the show uh other people fearing for you know their safeties uh and and there's been a couple a handful of instances where uh big brothers had to pull people off the show because uh either they like broke mentally or because they were like threatening violence and, and it's super serious and big brother takes it very very seriously seriously as they should uh but yeah this game does break you down it really does well i, I yeah when you isolate people and you i mean because really every one of you is is having to determine and then figure out the mental game you're going to play because you got to get 20 like dr will is one of my uh, he's one of my all-time favorite players of the game Yep. And it's not for the reason everyone may think. It's because uh, during his initial season, I mean, he, he was very upfront with everyone. He mm -hmm. told every single contestant, almost at every point, I'm going to say anything to win. I will lie straight to your face. And Absolutely. because he did get to the end, everyone acknowledged, I hate him, but. He, he was honest with us from the get-go, and he, he played the he best game. It. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dr. Will is uh, worth note uh, just because uh, one of my favorite parts of his first season, uh, season two, was that he got everyone together, and he was like, let's have um, – let, let's just uh, – Let's just fast. We'll all fast together. It'll be good for all of us. We'll all fast. So then there was a group of people that were like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's fast. So he knew right away that those people were all sheep, that he could tell them whatever, and they were going to follow him. The people that went against that and didn't want to fast, he knew that those people were going to be stubborn and that he had to get those people out. Um, that is just beautiful. I, I mean, that's just working uh, the human psyche and, and using it to your advantage. Uh Again, not, not only that, that season that he went into, for those that don't know, it was, uh, like I said at the beginning, that was the a major change. So he was, he factored out a game plan. Uh, I, get, uh, I don't know if they had told him 
you know, in the tryout section, how much the game was changing. Because he's gone on record and said that before he did get selected and before he went into the house, he actually sat down and did map out. I'm not sure if it was his brother or somebody else, Mm -hmm. but sat down and they did work out everything that he should do, including setting up a division of people and doing this and doing that. Uh, I mean, to a level that I, I wouldn't expect going into something that in the previous season had just been almost absurd in a way. I mean, there was a point in the first season where one of the contestants was trying to talk the four remaining ones into walking out all at the same time. <laughs> he firmly believed the rules would let them do that. See, I, and like, so what we're talking about is the first season is uh, America voted. America voted for the winner. It was more uh, akin to the UK version of Big Brother, where uh, the general public votes for who they think is the best and who should win and who goes home. Um, so that was the season one format. By season two, they switched it to inside the house. That's who votes each other out. And the jury. Uh, of the people voted out will end up selecting the winner more akin to Survivor. Um, So it's absolutely incredible that Dr. Will, not knowing uh, that the game was going to kind of change like that, uh, but goes in with this like uh, really ridiculous gameplay um, and really sets the tone for the rest of the seasons to come, uh, just of people trying to reach uh, his pinnacle of amazingness, I guess. Yeah, and and there are people that have tried... that's the other thing that's uh, about this game that's kind of interesting uh, to me. Um, as I've said, I the psychological aspect of it is really what draw, draw, draws me in. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing I love about it is also seeing the way that people break down on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's awesome. the isolation. Absolutely. That's half the fun. The only thing I have to ask you, though, is uh, because I think everyone uh, that is familiar with you knows you were evicted from the house, uh, quote unquote. Uh, By the way, I love the terminology (laughs) they still stick to. Like, it's a real fucking house. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a house. (laughs) It is a folks. This is a soundstage that has a house built into it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You can you can't really call it a house. I mean, literally, you look up and you just see like crappy tile like uh ceiling tiles and stuff like that's the one thing that they never show you is the ceiling because it looks like dog shit like <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, yeah there's microphones just hanging down everywhere it's a uh, it's a sound stage essentially yep and uh and i actually I, I don't even remember what season it was now i think it was the first season that marcellus was hosting house calls on cbs.com god that's a number of years ago but i got to go i got to go to the live finale it was the same season with uh basically there was the blonde sheriff and the crazy native americanish girl or hispanic girl uh that were the final two and uh i bring this up because that was the first case where big brother got really extremely decisive uh and there are people that more than likely left that house discovering that there's people they don't even know in this world that really hate them. (laughs) And that's kind of something that probably happened with your season as well. Like it happened to Spencer and uh, who else? Again, yes, we are the racist season. So uh, the lead up essentially, so the lead up to our season was like the, the Paula Dean uh, like it found uh, everyone found out that Paula Dean was saying all this really bad stuff about black people or whatever. Um, and we didn't ever know about that because we were sequestered. So then like that kind of leads into our season and everyone's on this heightened, like 
racial sensitivity as they should be. Uh, and so we had people that I, I literally would tell them all the time, you guys can't say that we're on TV. Like if you do not wash your hands, people will get on you on Twitter. If you don't wash your hands after going to the bathroom, dude, people- leave Jerry alone. <laughs> yeah or chef joe <laughs> uh, yeah i mean like if you do not wash your hands people you will hear about it forever after the show like you will not you will non-stop get hate and so people would not believe me people were like oh yeah like anyone's watching you know like they didn't realize that they were getting watched 24 7 and people would just start saying spouting off just saying bad stuff uh and uh yes when we came out this has never been done before in Big Brother history. I don't believe. But when we came out, we had like a, a debrief essentially where they sat us down. But it was different in our case because they were like, all right, McCray, Candace, uh, Howard, uh, you know, like the people that really didn't say anything bad, they were like, here, this is your debrief. Like, you know, you are going to get some bad stuff, but you guys didn't say anything really bad. So you're probably going to be okay. But for other people like Aaron, for Spencer, for Amanda, for Gina Marie, they had a very, very different debrief where it was like, do not go on social media. You are going to get hate. Amanda, Aaron, Gina Marie, you're going to have secret, like, secret, or like security guards with you as you guys get on the plane to go home because there are lunatics out there right now. Like, we are the most hated cast of all time essentially and that's uh yeah yeah like the hate is real even to this day i still get people on twitter uh hating hating on me oh why don't you deliver me a pizza pizza boy just all sorts of just madness where it's like that that doesn't hurt me what 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 does that even mean like non-stop hate it's very real and that season I'm talking about too, I was kind of shocked that after the show, so it got over and we all, you know, everyone just, the audience just kind of filters out of the sound stage, basically. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking out, that second place contestant whose name I cannot remember at this moment, she was just walking, like walking right by me with no one around her. And honestly, the way that season shook out at the time, I thought, well, that's a little that's concerning. Kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, she absolutely. should really have somebody with her. And wasn't she, didn't she just come out of a submarine, basically? So that that kind of brings me to my uh, my one point that I wanted to. So you were uh, you were evicted on your season, uh, meaning he either goes home or he goes to the jury house, depending on what time. And the jury decides who wins, just like Survivor in a way. But yep. but here the jury has to be sequestered, uh, yep. which sucks. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But the thing I wanted to ask you about, so essentially you go from this weird sheltered world uh, where you're inside of the People Aquarium. Mm-hmm. And, and now uh, Julie has just said by a vote of whatever to whatever, McCray, you have been evicted. You have one minute to say your goodbyes, gather your belongings and get the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, at which point then uh, what happens, uh, for those of aren't familiar, there is a very short hallway with two doors. One yep. is the front door of the house. The other is the door from the studio into the house. Uh, more yep. to the point, the stage. So you then walk out from this isolated bubble, and you have the gut punch. Well, five hundred thousand dollars not going to be mine. Not yep. even getting the fifty thousand dollar concession prize. Yeah. Probably uh, not going to get America's favorite player, which yeah. is twenty five thousand. Also, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's lots of options in winning. But, yeah. but what is that experience like? Where suddenly you're walking out because when you went in the house. There was fuck all in the studio except Julie Chen and any contestants. Yeah. Well, yeah, they also have like a live audience for that. But the way that I operate is like I like blackout. Something else takes over me. Like that's how I do all my interviews. That's like 
that's just who I am. Like for whatever reason, like I just black out. Like I don't know what's happening. Um, so like when we walk out on stage for the very first time, you know, I see people that are excited, they're screaming, hollering. Um, I'm just trying to be like, yeah, cool, big brother. I'm excited. Like, let's get in this house. Uh, I just, cause I don't want to see people. I don't want to know about uh, for whatever reason, same thing when I walk out, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, I don't even remember. I don't even remember anything, but I remember that people were like, we love you. Like saying stuff like that. And I was like, why? <laughs> I'm a cray. You guys are idiots. Uh, but like, you know, it's just, uh, Julie's there. I'm talking to Julie. I'm just saying like, it's something else takes over my body and, uh, words just come out. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, I just start saying stuff. Uh, the one big thing is I'm like, Oh, just don't cry. Just do not cry on stage. Like a little baby. Like that's, but I was in a really good mood. I I kind of got blindsided. I knew it was coming to me. So I was in a very decent mood. Uh, I was happy to see Julia. I was happy to see the people that were just excited about me. Um, but then it's like, again, it's just black. Uh, they just start take you into a different room. Then you get debriefed again. Uh, the psychologist comes in and is like, oh, well, here's your quirks, and this is why you have these quirks. And it's like, okay, that's weird. Uh, it, it's <laughs> so very strange. I, I just cannot oh even, like, I'm sitting I'm, I'm sitting in this, like, boardroom, essentially. Um, there's a picture of Zingbot. If you know Big Brother, Zingbot is, like, this uh, mascot, essentially. It's, like, Zingbot crossing the Potomac River as George Washington. And then there's this lady telling me, like, you keep on saying, I don't know. And the reason you say it is because you actually do know, but you don't want to commit. Like, and it's like, what the hell is happening? Like, what is my life right now? You know? And I just know <laughs> that there's a bunch of people out there that just watch me and like me for whatever reason, idiots. It's so very bizarre. Um, uh, I went outside for a cigarette, you know, uh, just cause like I'm a smoker, uh, don't smoke kids. Uh, but I, I go out for a cigarette and then, um, one of the big boss, uh, producers, uh, who is, uh, known as the voice of big brother, the guy that does all the recordings of the voice. Um, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now, but he, uh, comes over and he sits down next to me and like, I'm smoking and he's like, you know, you played a hell of a game. Like you really gave a show out there and that's all we can ask for. And that's when it just started like crying, like, Oh, oh, I'm a little baby, but oh, that that like that moment I'll always point to, and like, well, that dude who's a producer who like owns the show essentially, like he said I did a good job. I'm sure he says that to every person, but I'm gonna try to like, I I, I love it. I I'll take it and I'll believe it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. McCray, <laughs> please come to the diary room. Yeah, and like a uh, a good way to if anyone's looking to get cast. Uh, that was one of the things I saw him in the interview process uh, early on. And I was like, Don Woolman, that's his name. I was like, Don Woolman, holy, I'm in the presence of a God. Like, like my, my, tr cause we, uh, we get, uh, they fly us out to California to do like the casting, uh, like more in-person casting. Um, so like during one of these big producer meetings, I was like, Don Woolman, oh my God, like, it's a pleasure. Like, this is the one thing that like, if I don't even get on the show, I can always point to this moment. I was like, Don, can you give me a McCray? Stop that. And he was like, McCray, stop that. And then like, <laughs> my trip's complete. I don't even care if I get on the show at this point. Uh, yeah. So Don freaking Wallman, a uh, great dude. Big shout out. <laughs> that is just messed up though. I mean, I would have expected that they would have 
psychologists on hand to say, okay, you've just been through this experience. You were in this bubble. Then you were in front of, uh, you know, a, a live audience and Julie Chen asked you questions. I'm sure you got a lot of emotions. And now like, if you're a jury house member, you're going to have to go to this house and you still, it's going to feel more like real life, but you don't really get to talk to, you know, I would expect mm -hmm. them to like treat you and help you, but not just say like, okay, well you've got these quirks and this is how you're psychologically messed well, up. And like, again, like I'm still in blackout mode. Um, I definitely think that she kind of, they kind of were like, this is what's going to happen. They kind of like help you through it. I think that, uh, me and the psychologist had like a pretty tight bond. Um, I think that she knew what I could take and she knew where to kind of lead me and how to deal with me, I guess. So she comes in, the casting director, Robin Cass, big shout out to Robin Cass, uh, Mama Cass. She came, comes in and she, you know, like, oh, you did great. She tells you all this stuff. The big boy producers come in, they kind of like run you through. Um, and so like, CBS is pretty uh, nurturing when it comes to that. Like, they're not going to just leave you hanging in those regards. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even get to go to, uh, to the jury house uh, because I was just so – I was evicted so late in the game. Uh, I Pretty much I go straight to sequester with everyone else that goes straight into a hotel room essentially for a week, uh, which is a miserable, miserable week. Uh, just thinking about all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they take care of you to a degree, but it's like uh, how much can they really, you know, hold your hand through the process? I always feel bad for the people that get a vote and they're evicted like they're the fourth. Like this week we've got, uh, I think, two evictions happening one day after the other. Uh, mm. and, and near the end of the game, it, it's literally like somebody gets evicted and the very next day or the winner is being decided. So it's yep. like you just get punted to a hotel and you're expect you don't get to because uh, for those of us that have watched it, you this jury house usually they pick some house in the Hollywood Hills or I don't know Arizona or wherever the hell it is. Yeah, Mexico at one point. Yeah, yeah very lavish, very ritzy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, big yeah. kitchens and giant pools with Fun, water effects. Yep. And, and then, yeah. and then you know, debauchery off off camera debauchery. Like, uh, oh yeah, the stories that people tell from jury house. It makes me just piss. Where it's like, I, I could have been evicted maybe one week earlier. Went to the jury house, had some fun, you know. But I, I'll take fourth place over fifth place. Uh, that's fine. Well, you know, and and let's not mince words. There is a, a certain per diem in, in play. So, you know, being able to stay in the game as long as you can is helpful. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry about that. I live in a flop house. It's, it's goddamn animals out here. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's well, the thing about it is it's not per diem. Like, we do not make, yeah, we do not make per diem. We make stipend. So, like, stipend is weekly or whatever. So, the, the joke of it all really is that as soon as you make it to uh, once the jury starts, you automatically make the 13 grand so like it's it's one grand every week leading up or whatever to jury and then once you make jury it's automatically the 13 grand uh which is like what 13 weeks essentially of the show um so even then you're not making a per diem you know they're you're still just making the thousand bucks but you get to live in a little bit better house without cameras up your ass you know um <laughs> so it's 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 a uh, yeah uh yeah there's no benefit to really staying to fourth to fifth. Like there's no, just except for in numbers game, I guess. Uh, but I mean, yeah, 
that's the kind of thing. Like, I'm a fan. I wish I would have saw the jury house, you know. But uh, as a fan, I guess it's good that I didn't, uh, you know. I don't know. It's one of those things. And I feel especially bad for Spencer, who had to sit in the house with boring-ass Andy and Gina Marie for one whole week, you know, listening to their dumb asses, uh, you know. And then he gets voted out third place. Like, <laughs> that's a real pisser. Uh, shit, I don't it's know. A, it, it could be a vicious game. In some ways, uh, it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say beneficial or good, because uh, in some ways it's bad. Uh, and I'm sorry, it, I didn't expect us to talk so heavily about Big Oh, Brother. this is all like, inside baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, so for everyone sorry, who's just like, where's my usual net heads? Uh, <laughs> hopefully Trent and I will record on Sunday. Um, but for those of you that love Big Brother, I, I'm, I'm so happy that we were able to pull back the curtain here a little bit. Uh, but the thing that I wanted to say is, uh, how do you feel? Uh, because it wasn't as heavily in play your season, which mm -hmm. is only three seasons ago, right? Yep. Uh, as much as this season. I mean, I have, uh, for those of you uh, that aren't frequent viewers, what happens on this show occasionally, used to be like two times a year uh, per season at most, people that have been evicted from the house get the opportunity to come back in. And this season alone, one of the people that is in the final five now, I think, last five people in the house, yeah. has actually been evicted from the house twice. Yeah, which is insanity. I, I mean, do you? How do you feel about this type of thing? Because I mean, really, it's it's a difficult game staying in the house. It's probably mm -hmm. a very difficult game getting people out of the house. Yep. Um, it would it it would piss me off, I guess, if I was in the house. The thing about um, they they did this uh, with my season also. Uh, they brought someone from Jury House. Uh, that's kind of a later in the game uh, scenario. That they brought one of those people back in the house. Um, I I knew it was gonna happen just because I'm a fan of the game. I know that they take uh, they kind of like uh, this happened on Big Brother Canada one. So on Big Brother Canada one, they took someone from the jury and brought them back into the game. Me, I was like I bet they're going to take something from Big Brother Canada 1. And sure enough, they did bring someone back from jury. And I pretty much counted out the weeks. And I figured it out. I knew that someone was coming back. And I knew that my boy Judd was going to come back. And Judd's a person that comes back with a vengeance. He's not going to be friends and kisses and happiness and gumdrops. Like, he's going to come back in with a vengeance. Um, so I knew that that was going to happen. I didn't plan for it better. I didn't like stick with my gut. I should have, but, uh, there's a, that's the thing is like, literally I've heard, uh, the people on this season, they, they kind of expected that someone was going to come back the first time. Um, even, uh, so Victor came back, Victor comes back the second time, but even Victor himself was like, I think that I'm going to come back a second time. Like, I think there's going to be an opportunity for me to come back a second time that's one of those things where it's like if you can count the weeks out of like okay well we only have this many weeks left there's only these many people left someone's got to come back something's got to happen where someone's going to get saved like it, if you are in tune enough with a game you should be able to figure this out and like half the battle of being in the house is playing against production playing against their twist the that's usually a staple to all big brother seasons is they have some new twist uh, whatever it is you know so you have to be like ready on your toes for any twist that makes a good big brother player uh so it's one of those things i i, I think that uh i like victor i mean uh him coming back uh, he's won his way back both times i think that's impressive in and of itself uh 
And to me, it's like I'd be pissed if I was in the house. But at the same time, you got to give it to the dude for just keep on. He just keeps on winning his way back. Uh, that's awesome. And, and that's an interesting point to bring up because that's both a plus because you're back in the game, but it's a detriment. Now, I'm going to get really big brother talky here, folks. I'm very sorry. I know I keep apologizing. but It's, least... it's just going to be a nonstop apologies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but seriously, this is a one of the things that happens with this show is that every time we get into September, it's kind of like I, I think they they pretty much just say, okay, well we've got all this stuff happening, so we'll let the show play out to here, you know, and they'll pick a, a date or they, it always feels thrown together at the very end. Absolutely. But, but the thing that uh, kills me about it is when you've got somebody like this, like Victor, who's come back in, and now we've got this accelerated timeline. I don't. Do you think that the people in the house realize that uh, Victor needs to be the next one to go? He and Paul are should be the two targets of everyone else in the house right now. Because absolutely, if, if you're sitting next to one of those people, you're probably not going to win. I yeah. mean, I, there's something to be said about um, uh, it's. It also comes down to like uh, like what kind of. Uh, convincing you can do during your final speech like if you could convince a jury to be like this guy's had how many chances he's been evicted twice i haven't been evicted once like uh, so there's something to be said about him getting evicted twice uh, where it's like dude's had so many chances like of course he's gonna get to the end well like i've had zero chances and i kicked ass the whole way um but at the same time it's like oh well i've had i've been booted out once i won my way back through all these different people booted out again and i still won my way back through all these people uh, there's something to be said for both uh both people what it really comes down to is the jury, uh, the jury, how bitter they are, how, uh, you know, if you've wronged them in any way, they might use it against you. Uh, and that's, again, that's another beautiful piece of Big Brother is that uh, a jury can swing either way, uh, whether it be bitter or whether it be, uh, you know, uh, rewarding for crazy gameplay. Uh, I don't know. No, let's think about this because in order to uh, let's let's uh, translate it to something everyone else may be able to relate to. So here's what's going to happen. McCray and I are working in the same office, all right? In order to make sure I get the promotion, I have to make sure I get McCray out of the office. At the same time, I need McCray's approval to get the promotion as well. So I need to figure out a way to get him out of the house and yep. still have him like me. Yep. Now and that's where, much, yeah. And that's on, where I think that's where I think your gameplay kind of uh got really good you uh, first of all you did the one thing that uh, i think is one of the underspoken parts of the game and that is where you successfully stay off the radar that is a really prime thing heavy duty like i can always i can always tell it doesn't even matter the way it's edited i can always yeah. tell who's going to be the first person evicted out of the house by what we <laughs> see when they're in the round table getting to know everybody and the way they talk in those diary room sessions in yep. the beginning because it's yep. always the heavy-duty player that gets booted first. So staying yep. low on the radar uh, is good. Uh, you, yep. however, also had the benefit of, uh, and I, I really do think of it as a benefit. Unfortunately, when you get involved in a relationship on Big Brother, which they've coined the term for that a showman's, um, yep. it puts a target on your back because now you're a power of two. You're not a one vote, you're two, basically. Yep. So, uh, but... And I'm sure going into this, did you expect anything like that to happen? You're like, you know Never. what? I don't, 
in a million years. I told all the producers up and down, like, I'll do a showmance. I'll do anything to make the ratings better. Just put me on the damn show. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, um, I, I was willing to do anything. Never in a million years did I think I would get into a showmance because that is rule number one. Don't do that. Don't get into a showmance because it'll screw up your game. Um, but it's one of those things for me where I was like, well, no one's ever done it before. So I'd be a legend if I did it, you know, like it, it could turn out really good for me. Um, the dynamic, like, and when I first picked up Amanda, I mean, uh, she was very abrasive, but at the same time, she had a, a cunning game strategy. Like she, she never really watched the show, but she picked up on it faster than anyone else in that house. She was a strategist, <coughs> excuse me. And I was like, Okay, well, this person I could work with. This seems like this could be doable. Um, I never thought that I'd be in a showman's, but the way that uh, the showman's happened and the way that the showman's played out, uh, it really was beneficial to me. As many as much as people will say that, oh, you just uh, you slept in bed with Amanda all day and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, I did, but also at the same time, Amanda was the attack dog. I was like the person that was holding the leash. I guess probably not to people in the. Uh, a, a more apt uh, uh, description of it is I played good cop. She played bad cop where I would come in with the sweet. I would come in with the, you know, like I, I like, she's just crazy. Like, like, sorry guys. Like I would always be, and you ask anyone in that house and everyone loved me. Everyone loved me the whole entire time. And I was with like the biggest bitch on the show that everyone hated, you know, but they would always be like, well, McCray's just on uh McCray. Uh, uh, he just does whatever Amanda says. And like, not necessarily because in behind closed doors, I'd be like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Stop. Like uh, there's millions of times where I had to just be like, Amanda, stop. What are you doing? Why? Well, like you're screwing up every, like the whole game. Um, but that's kind of like, uh, that's one of those things where it's like, you don't know what position you're going to be in when you get into the game. You just have to like adapt. Adapting in, is huge in winning the game. You just have to be able to adapt as fast as you can on your feet. And I think that I adapted the good cop, bad cop roles for both of us really, really quickly. And I think that that definitely benefited my game. I think so too. And, uh, and, and really it all comes down to gaming techniques as well. You basically had a meat shield is what you had. That's yes, exactly. She, she was your warrior and you were just back there like casting lightning bolt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, lightning bolt, or, lightning or, bolt. Or, or you're casting, you were casting mana to her and you're like, okay, there you go. That'll help. That'll help. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. She was my figurehead. I was in the back, uh, making the smoky or in the smoky back room, making the deals. That's how I always felt about it. And I think the nice thing about it too, uh, when when you uh, when you look at the way it played out, uh, and this is the thing I don't think most people realize, uh, going into that house, I would imagine there is a major summer camp component that that is kind of in play, Absolutely. where wherein you're you're in this isolated scenario with the same people day in and day out, and somehow you, you've got to find somebody that you enjoy spending time with or else you're going to be one of the next ones out the fucking door. Yep. You're going to get uh, antsy. You're going to get uh, agitated. You're going to start saying stuff to people that like you don't necessarily mean. Um, yeah. You start to rub off on people the wrong way. Um, having someone that you can just like spill all this, like, oh, I fucking hate this person. I hate this person. Um, it really, really helps. Uh, especially like, uh, 
because other people will spill everything to everyone. Um, it's definitely a summer camp thing, and I definitely played it. I, I, I definitely enjoyed it like it was summer camp, uh, which most people will say to my detriment. But again, I, I, I had a fucking, I had a great summer. <laughs> Shit. Well, dude, let's let's uh, put this into reality term. Uh, mm-hmm. McCray, and this is the thing I loved about your season, uh, your occupation before going into the house as a contestant was what <laughs> pizza boy, proud pizza boy. So he was delivering pizzas or making pizzas or whatever with pizzas. So there was, there was <laughs> heavy, heavy pizza, uh, see pizza delivery. So the question yep. is, uh, for, for the, the time that you spent in the house, which way would you have made more money sitting at home delivering pizzas or being on a national television in a house where they bring you all the food and all the food, no rent, no uh, car payment or like no uh, gas payments. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much like boarding school like or like everything is paid for. No, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You get free food. Like uh, to me, it was always like I uh, this is insane. Like I'm having ahi tuna whenever the hell I want. Like that's insane to me. Like I've never had this treatment before. And to me, I was like, I'm going to enjoy all this. I'm going to sleep all the time. Who gives a shit? Like. I don't know. Like it was summer camp essentially because literally my life sucked before big brother. My life sucks after big brother, but like during big brother, it was like, I I had the most ritzy treatment there ever was. Uh, you know, I was a, a kid in a candy store essentially. But the only thing that happens is that you, you basically have to exchange part of your privacy for that. That's the, the bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and it depends on who you are. I'm a person that I don't give a shit. I <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like again, I walked out naked. Like and uh, when I walked out naked out of the shower, um, I immediately went back or whatever, toweled off, whatever, put my clothes on, and I went to dr immediately uh, diary room. Went to the diary room and uh, I was like, "Were you guys? Did were the live feeds on when I walked out of the shower?" And my uh, dr producers like. You know, well, um, there's two ways you can take it. You can take it where, and, and, and like immediately as he says that, I'm like, okay, well, it's 100% on there. And it's like, I don't care if it's on there, but I just want to kind of know what to prepare for when I come out. Like, I don't care. It does not matter to me if you everyone saw me naked. Like, I don't care. I just want to kind of know if that's what happened. Um, you know, that, that is what you'd uh, give up. But if you're a person like me, that's a trash lord. Like it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You're getting free food. <laughs> I think my favorite uh, part uh, about you being cast is is much in the same way that that Matt Hoffman is cast, or or like Andy from your. Well, Andy isn't exactly the best. Let's example. not talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he anyway. Um, <laughs> there are certain. What I'm saying is there are certain people that fall into casting stereotypes on the show. Uh, Absolutely. And, and it, the people that don't, the, those are the ones that I always remember. That's why I remember Matt Hoffman. That's why I remember yep. you because you represent normal people in normalcy. There. You Absolutely. know, it's like, and my favorite, my favorite thing, your season, by the way, that I've I've neglected mm-hmm. in saying three times now, <laughs> is the fact that uh, people didn't take the Pizza Boy story at face value. Uh, yes like they thought you were some mad genius just oh that is like one of the best parts uh that is an ego stroker for sure when i watched that part back um there, we're talking about the, there's a part where it's like uh, I get up, I'm like, hey, I'm McCray, I'm from St. Francis, Minnesota, I'm a proud delivery uh, pizza boy and uh, pizza, whatever the fuck. Um, and then like 
they cut to a good juxtaposition of people being like, okay, pizza boy, like, I'll believe that when blah, 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 like, you're no pizza boy, he's a science guy from college or whatever the fuck, you know, like, and it's like, that is an ego stroker, because if I give that impression of that I'm a smart motherfucker that delivers pizza, you know, like, uh, I don't know, that is one of my favorite parts about watching the show is like, just remember that everyone thought your ass was a fucking scientist genius boy, you know? Exactly. <laughs> whereas, whereas, like, even, and I'm not, I'm, this isn't a knock, dude. I want to. Oh, please knock me. <laughs> but, like, the moment they, I saw you and the way you were dressed, I had the benefit of seeing, you know, the key reveal. So we knew you really like, were a pizza boy. But still, yeah. and uh, God, that sounded can't wrong. Uh, but <laughs> it was uh, the fact that I saw you and you're just like, oh, yeah, totally. That dude looks like he could deliver my pizza. He may have, I may have bought weed from him. You know, <laughs> you just look like a regular guy. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I can't believe that they went and then there were people that that suspected this all the way down the road still. Um, so that's that's <laughs> got to work to your advantage in some way, right? It worked my advantage, yeah. but I, I definitely think that like in the beginning moments of the game that scared me uh, because I could literally see people like uh, talking to each other. The first moments of the game, uh, we get onto these popsicle things. We have to hold on to them for a very long time. Uh, we're uh, suspended up in the air, and this is the first competition for head of household, which is the power of the house. You get to put up two people to get evicted. So this is like the first power um, cycle. So when I'm up there, I start seeing like all the big muscular jock guys, like they're talking to each other, they're laughing, they're making eye contact with each other. They're like, right away, I'm like, they're broing down. I can't get into that because already people are suspicious of me. Um, even that first edit of me on that episode makes me look like I'm a fucking dipshit. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, but right away, I saw that I was uh, one of these things is not like the other one of these things just doesn't belong and that was me um and at that point i was like again another thing uh another uh, paradigm of big brother is uh don't win the first uh head of household and you know what i was like i'm not going home first i don't give a shit because i know i'll be going up if i don't win and that's why i just stuck onto that popsicle for like what four and a half hours or something like that um i, I would rather die like i'm not going home first i'd rather die up on this popsicle like I want to make the decision who goes home first. I don't care. Now, when it came down to it, that's now that's uh, another reason why I was excited to talk to you, man, because mm -hmm. I have, I've had a long standing theory that if you were the first head of household, yeah, the only way to do it right, where you could come away with, without blood on your hands was just to say, guys, it's early on. We don't know anybody. I put all the keys in the bag. I pulled, <laughs> I pulled out two. See, that's a very, very good strategy. I like that one a lot. Um, I probably, I could have went with that way. I kind of did it the same way, but a little different. My uh, method was more or less, all right, I don't know anyone. No one knows anyone. I'm just going to have every single person come up, tell me two names. I'm going to tally those names up, and then whoever's names uh, gets the most votes, I'll put them on the block. Little did they know that I was not going to play that game and I was going to do whatever the fuck I wanted regardless. And then everyone would have to be like, well, then everyone had to compare notes. And I know no one was ready to compare notes this early in the season. Um, and, and that is a good genius alternative. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't say genius, but. Uh, oh, no, yeah. dude, seriously, that is it's one of those things. If you're the first head of household, you've got to figure out a way to 
to come out of this so that way you're not next week's target. Uh, yeah, with blood on your hands. You don't want any blood on your hands, as they say in Big Brother parlance, uh, Barrowlands. Yeah. <laughs> so to to finally put a nail in this this Big Brother coffin, and then yeah. I'll ask you two tech-related questions so we can still oh, fall absolutely. under I love category. it. No, I'm excited for those. Um, the first question is, how do you how do you prepare for going into basically this isolation chamber and then what is it like let's just say in the year following having been on a, a national uh reality show okay so the first one is kind of weird because i necessarily I, I technically wasn't cast i guess i was an alternate so when they kind of uh when they do this oh my god excuse me uh, when they do this show they usually bring in um they bring in they they have their cast they find like they kind of have a, a good amount of people that like uh what their cast is gonna be they bring in um i believe it's two boys and two girls for uh uh alternates so say someone gets cold feet they back out something happens in the family they back out they get something happens uh and then you got to bring up one of these people I was one of these people that got lucky by the grace of God. Uh, I keep on saying God and weird stuff, but it's just one of those things where it was almost destined. It, it was just fate. Uh, fate aligned herself, and uh, that's literally how I got on the show. So in my head, um, ever since the very first interview I did to do Big Brother, I was like, there's no way they're going to cast me. There's no way they'll put my stupid ass on this show. And I started getting through more and more casting, more and more interviews, more and more. And every time I'm like, that interview was horseshit. Like, they're never going to put me on. Never going to put me on. And then they call me, oh, you're going to go to California. Go through all those. Uh, I'm never going to get cast. Uh, and it just keeps going. And then to the point where they're like, oh, well, you're an alternate we're going to come and film you getting your key, but you're still an alternate. So like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to get cast. Like I'm an alternate. I'm going to make a thousand bucks just for going to uh, California for a week. And then I'll get to come back. I'll get to watch big brother and I'll have a thousand bucks. Like you can't beat that. Like big brother's going to pay me to go there. Uh, so I really didn't do much. Um, I didn't like, I didn't study. I mean, I've watched all these seasons in and out multiple times. Um, I started watching seasons again, just to kind of like brush up, see what kind of was happening, kind of like make some mental notes. One of the mental notes I did make was like, don't be the center of drama. Don't like, don't make a target. Don't start fights. Like there's no point. Just lay low all the time. And that definitely helped me. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, I didn't, if, I would have known for sure. I would have done hardcore studying. I would have been like writing in notebooks, like here's my game plan, all this stuff. But I was just like, there's no way they're going to cast me. I'm dumb. Look at me. I'm an idiot. You know? Hold on, dude. Wait a second now. This is a, I got it. Cause you know, I, I watch the show. All right. I don't yep. live the show. I may go to Joker's updates just to see <laughs> that. Cause I heard some serious shit happen. Hamster, Hamster watch is better. Go on. Yeah, that's true. But you know, Joker's is, is, is kind of the original. <laughs> I just got to get a shout out for Hamster watch. <laughs> I love Hamster watch. Actually, oh, exactly. when you, when you want to know, when you want to yeah. know where everything is, it's the perfect. Cause it's all just right there. One yep. page. You don't got to scold. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Um, but this was at a level I wasn't aware of. So basically, you thought you were just living like the Big Brother dream because you're technically not cast on the show, but they've still got to do basically the EPK stuff with you, the electronic They've got to do the key reveal and claim for you. Yep. 
even though um, you're technically not cast? Or is that, okay, you were an alternate, so, somebody dropped out, we got to go out to Minnesota and shoot. No, no, no. So, like, that was one of the things where I was like, well, maybe they're just trying to pull my leg. Um, I've kind of heard from other people previous seasons where, like, what the kind of the process is. And, like, a lot of times production will be like, oh, we just got to come by and pick up, uh, do some pickup shots and stuff like that, you know. Like, so I was like, well, maybe they're lying to me and maybe I will actually be on. So when you see me come out of that thing with my, uh, out of the Mancetti's uh, with my key and I'm just like, whoa, going all crazy and stuff like that, you know, um, I turned to like the, the shots or whatever. And I was like, but does this still mean I'm an alternate? And he's like, sadly, yes, it does. <laughs> and so like, so like in my head, I'm just like, ah, oh, damn it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm still just going to get a thousand dollars. Like, so it seemed, yeah, they still do all that stuff just in case something happens. And sure enough, something did happen on my season. And it was amazing. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what I can get, you know. that That's kind of like uh, being given a free chip by the casino. And then, and then you broke the bank, dude. So that's <laughs> off. I appreciate that. So then what happens to a reality television star in the 12 months after they've been on? And, and just try and, and leave out all of the extreme stuff because you were on, quote unquote, the raciest, racist <laughs> season ever. Um, I mean, first of all, when you walk around in public looking like a crazy degenerate like I do, uh, people notice you immediately and are like, holy shit, that's McCray. Can I get an autograph? Can I get a picture? And I'm a person that's like, I'm a pizza boy. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, of course. Like, you like me for whatever reason? Like, my God, like, of course, I'll do anything for you. Um, you know, so like that's pretty much the first and foremost thing is like people know who you are even to this day people know who i am and it's a lot more hot and heavy uh in those first 12 months like we went to uh universal studios we had like it was me and amanda and judd or who someone but like we had like a, a mob forming around us like like clamoring to get to us and it was like what life is this like this is not my life it's super super weird um you know you're oh my god but dude in that situation you're describing those that don't know amanda is uh was a very uh tall girl I had amazonian no that, that, <laughs> gee it's funny i may have heard that term somewhere before but yeah she was she was she was very tall so it's very it's just I, i'm not surprised that people would notice you guys in public given your appearance and then the dynamic and and she was she and you know by no stretch of the imagination she was an attractive female so she would already gain attention by that and then it's just like oh wait a second basically i'm sure it's whatever kevin smith experiences when he's <laughs> outside with jason muse you know oh my god well it kind of yeah like uh amanda I, i'm probably the jason muse to kevin smith's or, or amanda's kevin smith. i don't know how i guess that dynamic would work but i mean uh the thing about her is that in south florida she kind of looks like everyone else uh and this was always a huge point of contention in our relationship where she would get pissed because people will recognize me first and then they'll be like oh and that's amanda um so because <laughs> I look like a goddamn garbage bag. Like you do you know. not, dude. I'm just 
You, you look like half of the guys I grew up with. That's all <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Uh, but I mean, uh, yeah. So people recognize me right away. Um, and so that's like one of the most uh, outrageous. That's just like weird to me that people recognize me. And I get it because if I was a person out on the streets and I saw someone from Big Brother, I would lose my shit. Like before Big Brother, uh, even after Big Brother, I would be like, holy shit, you're Matt Hoffman. Like, oh my God, like, can I get a picture? Can I sign something? Sign my face. You know, I, I would be obsessed. Um, so I get it. Um, and then, I mean, you get a lot more uh, social media response. You get a lot more uh, social media play kind of stuff. It's the only reason I have 70-whatever thousand people. Like, they don't like me. They're just there for me digging dirt and, yeah, bullshit. Um, but that well, is but that's, the the, that's the other nice thing about Twitter, though, is it doesn't matter – who followed you and when? As long as they don't unfollow you, the <laughs> yeah. numbers just grow. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so, like, 12 months, um, you know, it, by, by uh, let's see, I'd say by January, it starts to kind of fall off. It starts, you know, starts to fall off. Um, but as soon as, like, Big Brother rumors start ramping up, like, you kind of fall back onto the map. Like, um, even this season, where it's, like, for a long time at the gas station, it was, like, Maybe every two weeks, I got someone that was like, holy shit, that's from Craig. Well, let's take a picture. But as soon as Big Brother starts, like, it all ramps up. People, like, people's minds, like, come back to it. And, like, and then it's, like, every day someone's coming up to me, you know? So it's kind of a weird thing. Um, Adam Pock, if you remember Metal Adam, uh, I got none of your listeners. But, like, he s describes it the best way, I think, where he's, like uh, – Big Brother, being on Big Brother isn't 15 minutes of fame. It's like 14.5 or 14 minutes and 59 seconds of fame, where that clock will never strike over to you're over. Like people will always see you and will always remember you if you somewhat look like the person you did on that show. It'll never stop, and you will always get someone that says, "Hey." Um, of kind of weird i don't know <laughs> well you know even even some obscure little podcaster who's just like dude <laughs> i finally want to cash this chip in I hey motherfucker I, I again i followed you before uh before the show i believe i should I, I you did i don't know how the hell that happened no uh, i'm a i'm a big uh smodco fan a big kevin smith fan i know that you uh, do a lot of fucking good work for the, uh, the network and uh i was like fuck yeah i give a follow to people that deserve it Course. I'm, lucky, I'm lucky enough to anyway um <laughs> so i guess my other question is is there a certain point where you try and and figure out okay can i parlay what that was into something else so i'm not at the gas station um yeah there's definitely a part that um you know uh, nick Uhas from my season who's very good at like doing youtube videos like that was his whole thing like he's very good at that stuff like the first thing he told me when he came out is like hit the ground running start doing stuff uh because now's your time to start doing stuff i was dumb i was like well whatever i'm gonna go uh, live in florida with amanda like i should have moved to la immediately and tried to like start doing production jobs because i have a video production background um but uh you know there's you get swept up you get in, like a, that 12 months uh it's a fog like i was in a fog a daze i didn't know like what was up what was down i don't know who's out there to help me who's out there to hurt me uh there is a lot of that stuff there's a lot of shady people that are trying to get you to do their stuff for free you know like if I had a chance to go back, I would hit the ground running a lot better than I did. Um, I'd be a lot smarter about it, uh, and I wouldn't be in that fog. But 
I'm a person that, again, like I said, like when I go into interviews, I black out. When I came out of Big Brother House, I was in a blackout for a good, it, it must have been, a, uh, it was probably four to five months. And then the fog started to lift, but never lifted entirely until, you know, maybe two years after the show, which is very odd. Uh, but again, yeah, I should have hit the ground running, but uh, we're getting there. I'm making, you know, I made a cartoon with Josh, as you, uh, Josh, who you mentioned earlier. Again, yeah, we've been good friends forever. But, like, we made a cartoon that was pretty cool. People liked it, so maybe there's something there. Yeah. Again, I've got a video background, uh, so I've got faith. Again, something something will figure shit out. That's the way my life works. And, and by the way, dude, just so we're, we're very God, Californian using dude. I always well, I, I, I've said I do like that. one million times in this episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the only saving grace for me. Um, but uh, one of, and I, I don't mean that in in any way, you know, as the oh, guy, no, 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 as the guy who hosts, and I'll be very straightforward <laughs> here, in case anybody is wondering about the wonder and glamour about when you hit the ground running and what you do with it after that. Uh, NetHeads was lucky enough to premiere on Smodco, uh, on Smodcast.com with a, a plug and a live show immediately preceding it hosted by Kevin Smith. Um, yeah at the height of the uh, inception of the radio network, just shortly after it, still gaining attention. So uh, we hit the ground running, and I'll be very straightforward. We had like 5,000-plus downloads per episode, which was amazing going yeah. from a smaller podcast. And since that time, there has just been natural attrition because, yep. you know, we, we haven't done anything else that's big and special. We don't have any other champions. So, you know, I'm still a guy that has a regular nine to five job as well. You know, so I'm not saying, you know, uh, you no, know. no, 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 uh, of course. And, and like I was saying earlier, like there's people that come into my gas station. They're like, McCray, what? what are you doing here? And it's like, well, I have to make money. Like I got to make something like, what am I supposed to do? Like, Oh, just uh, sell my face. Sell McCray money. What the fuck? Like you have to like, yeah, you don't just get celebrity famous uh, from nothing. Like it, you just, it's just not in the cards. Uh, you guys still got to work. And to me, it uh, makes me more humble. It makes me more honest um, because there's people that do try to like uh, become actors after the big brother thing. And you know, their heads up, their own asses uh they're usually the biggest dipshits and they're usually the least down to earth so i mean it, it's good to be back to the roots you know uh, and that's how i got there in the first place and if i ever try to get to the next place uh that's the way it's gonna be i guess uh, <laughs> that makes no sense but <laughs> now the question here um God, I can't believe how much I've been able to milk this all this I time. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's it, for me, because, you know, I, look, when the show is on, and sometimes even when it's not on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least one time during a season, although it hasn't happened this one, and I attribute that to having a toddler, because basically I'm not going to sleep again until she's yep. seven. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I have, occasionally I have dreams where I am on the show. Um, you know, and it's not any particular cast and it's not any house you've ever seen because yep. it's a yep. fucked up dream house, yep. but, um, and I didn't live through it. So I guess my question is after you've been on and you've uh, made it to where you're like fourth, uh, yeah. in fourth place, you're in there for a really long goddamn time. 84 days. What happens to you after that? I mean, do you have, 
dreams or nightmares about I, the house? Yeah, you consider them nightmares. I uh, I like view them fondly uh, when I do have them. But yes, I have dreams. Uh, you know, probably once a week about um about being in the house or different like twists that happen to me in the house. Uh, it's usually like something I can't control something. It's very uh, Freudian. Uh, Is this literally know. like a replay situation too, where it's, it's uh, actual events? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's like, usually I'll be in there with other people. And it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't recognize that it's like, I'm playing the game of big brother, but like, it's like, I'm in the big brother house. And like, now we got to do something. It's just like weird where it's like, you kind of know that you're in the big brother house while you're in the, dream and that's you gotta uh, evade or uh, evict or you know try to like outmaneuver um but i mean one of the worst things again going back to this like uh ptsd uh bb ptsd is like i sit in my bed and i sit and i still to this day i have regrets and i have like here I should have did this. Like you start to play out, like, well, if I did this, what would happen then? Then this would happen. Then you know, like you still play. I still play it out to this day. And anyone from Big Brother that says they don't play out some of this shit to this day, uh, they're lying. I, I, like I don't. They have to. It's just one of those things where it's like you have these regrets, or you have the regrets of not doing something, or of doing something. It's just you'll always sit and replay what you could have done differently uh, in your head. Uh, at least for me, I guess. Uh, I can't speak for everyone else, but I—they're uh, fucking liars if they don't tell you that. Like it's—it's it's one of those things. Like I'll sit there all night and just like my brain doesn't shut off because I'm still in Big Brother mode to this day. Uh, it's weird. Super, super weird. Well, I'm not surprised, though, because, I mean, that's a lot of your life that you, I mean, it's not many of us that experience some a different life that we have to live 24-7. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that's what it is. It is a different life. Um, time works differently. Uh, Einstein said uh, time is relative, and it especially holds true in the Big Brother house because, literally, you are with these people 24-7. So we always had the saying that, like, one day equals a week. One week equals a month. One month equals a year. So, like, in terms, like, I spent three years with Amanda, like, because you've never, ever spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week with another person. Like, sure, you guys go to work. You go, you know, you got other stuff. You go out to dinner with other people. Like, you've never spent 24-7 nonstop with persons or people. Uh, so time is relative and time stops in there and everything slows down. Um, and it's, I don't know. I can't describe it. I don't know. Well, it's, it's one of those things that I, I definitely think you cannot describe, nor can you, can you really understand unless you've been in there? Because you know, it's like, uh, in my day to day life, I have certain escapes. I'm able to come in here and I'm, I'm able to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm doing work or my wife and I are able to go to a different room while the toddler's sleeping and we get to talk and we get to talk caught up and we yeah. get to interact. Yeah. Uh, but those are all separated. I mean, in a way though, now I've been working from home now since June and um, I guess in sort of a way, I'm kind of living a Big Brother lifestyle, mm -hmm. except I do have the option of leaving. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is like when you get tired of, you know, your significant other, you know, like you could just have to take a break from them or whatever, you know, like you can go, go out somewhere, go do something different. Like, you know, that doesn't happen. You don't get to 
like they're always within earshot essentially you know of you talking to someone else uh there's no escape in that house and uh yeah it's uncomparable i i don't know uh watch the damn show folks it's good it's good fun well, and speaking of which, uh, as a, as we've made it very clear, uh, there's not big money, and that's one thing too. I think that I think that's really important uh, for people to understand because it, we live in a really weird uh, time right now, where literally people can have YouTube channels and there's or or, or other things now, mm-hmm. and and they're able to actually make a living doing this. But I I really think that that is a few and far between situations so like unless you are a kevin smith or somebody you're not going to be able to parlay other things into actual revenue models unless you try and be aggressive like it for example and i'm interested to get your take on this um Mm -hmm. because uh big brother is traditionally a summer show there was one time and i believe it was during the uh, it was writer's strike time Yep. So they needed to have something on CBS that was unscripted. So yep. they brought Big Brother into the fall, and it, it relatively cheap show to make. Yeah, it fucked us all up because they're like, this isn't. <laughs> but they're doing it again, and they're doing something uh, pretty different. It and it's a new approach that CBS has been taking. They've been really exploring their off the air potential with this CBS All Access they have. Uh, in I think uh, January, I could be wrong. Sometime in the fall winter, there's going to be the premiere of a new Star Trek series oh, set, yeah, yeah. set in the original Star Trek universe and continuity, not this rebooted movie stuff. Yeah, and it's going to have a premiere episode on CBS, and then all subsequent episodes will be on CBS All Access. If if that term confuses you guys, just think it's CBS's Hulu. Okay, um, but. They're now going to do a fall season of Big Brother, and it's only going to happen on CBS All Access. Yep. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people are worried about it. A lot of, like, former house guests are kind of like, this could be the death of Big Brother as we know it. Um, to me, I, I don't know. I Like, I can't complain with more Big Brother. Um, I'll, I'll take it, I guess. Um, the thing that I like about it is that they're not on TV. Um, because I was a person that a lot of times they'll ask you like, um, what do you want most out of big brother? Do you want fame? Do you want the money or do you want the, the pride of the win? And like, to me, I'm a person that's like, I want to win the game. Like I I could care less about the money. I could care less about the fame. Like I want to be, I want to be the winner. Like it's, you know, like I want to win this game. Um, so it's one of those things where you're almost taking away one of those aspects by just only putting it on, uh, the internet. Like, I don't care. I don't care if no one sees it. Like it's a game where I'm still competing against all these other people in this house, uh, under these set terms and conditions. Like, Again, I don't care about America. I'm here to like kick some ass and like try to outmaneuver people. Uh, that's the way that I like it, and and hopefully it kind of gets rid of some of these like fame whores that annoy me. Um, I like it. To me, uh, bring it. Let's let's go. I, I I say yeah. Bring us more Big Brother. Let's go. And and the thing is that Survivor has two seasons a year. Like Big Brother could do two seasons a year. I would love that. You know, it's a lot to take in. Big Brother's three times a week. You know, there's just a lot to it, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I, I just think that uh, give more people an opportunity to play the game because the game is what's special about Big Brother. It's not the TV. It's not the edit. It's not anything like that. The romance, the showmance, the money. It's it's the 
letting humans be humans to win money. Uh, I love that. I don't know. I'm with you on that one. I'm actually with you on that. I, my only thing I wonder is if these people, when they were cast, knew they were going to be in this new special app-based version of Big <laughs> yeah. Brother. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'm not, I mean, that, that, that'd be a good way to like the old bait and switch. Like, oh, you're going to be on Big Brother. Like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. Like, no, no, not TV, but you will be on Big Brother. Uh, well, I here, liked it. Here's the thing that I'm surprised about this. Uh, because if I'm going to try, if I'm going to go through the expense mm -hmm. of producing this show in a fashion where the revenue is just coming to us and it, you know, it's not, sponsor driven mm -hmm. um i'm gonna try and stack the deck i'm surprised we haven't heard about it being I, i'm surprised they didn't try and cash in on an all-star season except for the fact that I, I i really think that the number of people that are willing to return is actually exponentially shrunk i don't think there are many people that want to go back in now there's a yeah that's a definitely a, a tough subject just because when you bring in all-stars, when you bring in people uh, that have played before, a lot of them are going to have conditions. Like, I want 50000 up front. I want 5000 each week that I'm there. Like, that's what people are saying that Nicole and James from this season have been uh, paid. But, um, and that's why a lot of people say they'll never be an all-star season is because the, the expectation for returning people is too high. Um, so... But it would make sense for them to bring in all these people just so people have to buy all access just to watch their favorite players. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 for CBS when it comes to that. Um, yeah, the thing about it is, like, me, it's like, I'm stupid. I'm the stupidest motherfucker alive. Like, I'll go back for less money, longer period of time. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eat slop. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I want to play the game again. Like, I want to play the game. Like, I'm not a person that's going to, like, try to... Uh, again, I'm a dipshit. I'm not going to negotiate, like, oh, like, just give me what you gave me last time. I'll go back and play. Who gives a shit? Like, 1000 bucks a week is still amazing money for me. I'll take that all day. Just uh, bring it. Come on, man. Bring yeah, it. Bring exactly. it I'll make it some entertaining TV shit. Well, I guess that answers my question, because I was going to ask, if, if given the chance, would you go back in? Knowing what you know now, though, Mm -hmm. If it were the this uh, all access version, what are they calling it? It's it's Big Brother uh, it over the top. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's, I think it's over the top. Yeah, so that's well because like, because they can't get away with that, and uh, fans of the show would be interested in this because uh, the same type of evictions are still going to happen live, but now everything will just happen live. So uh, you know, you go straight from live show back into the stream and. But I, I, like there's got to be a caveat to that like it cannot be straight live like because there's like a lot of times where you're doing um you know you're uh you're all right here's the nomination ceremony uh i've picked two people like there's like scripts a lot of times that you kind of have to read like go through the like all right here's what you're saying um and me again like i'm a dipshit like i screw up my scripts all the time you know and they're like all right mccray you want to do it again and i'm like well all right like and i just do goofy faces you know so it's like they can't have it live i think this is like kind of these this thing that they're selling but i'm curious to see like how live it's actually gonna be uh yeah it's one of those things where it's like i feel like they're selling some bullshit here it does make you wonder because like if if we take just uh what happened on one of the recent episodes so uh, in order for the power of veto competition. So every time two people get nominated, uh, then there's a competition and you could, 
when the opportunity to take somebody down from nomination and somebody else goes up. Just think of it as a weekly immunity idol if you're a survivor uh, person. Uh, but you get to play it after you've been like put up by the tribe or whatever. I'm yeah. horrible at analogy. <laughs> Hell with me. Um, and I, so much so I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, anyway, the power of veto. So in this week's episode, they had an interesting thing where they were tying in, because they're CBS, with MacGyver. So the veto competition, it was basically a, a problem-solving competition. You had to navigate your way through two puzzles and one physical activity, essentially. Uh, but it was MacGyver theme, so you had to find stuff in the room to do the thing. Watching that competition edited, uh, you know, we just see the people go down, somebody reads the script, they then start, they go through their steps, people are watching. If they didn't win, they show up upstairs, blown up, and then they watch the next person. And yeah. you and so already you know, well, they got to go through makeup to get and wardrobe to get blown up and dressed up. They've got to <laughs> do this. And uh, also, one of the things we saw, if you paid close attention, because living in California, I do, because uh, I'm always wondering, like, oh, what was the weather like in L.A. that day? Um, we literally <laughs> saw them go from uh, daylight where they started the competition. By the time James went in, it was clearly transitioning to evening night. So, mm -hmm. you know, that would not play out well on the live streams because yeah. it would just be a lot of reset. and. Yep, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, like, that's the thing is, like, uh, you know – they have very, very limited uh, interaction with other people, with other producers, with other ca uh, crew members and stuff like that. The, the limitations are are there. Um, if any crew is, like, helping you get into a costume, they are not allowed to talk to you at all. So we pretty much just fuck with them. You know, like, hey, fuck face. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you just start screwing with them, of course. But, I mean, um, so, like, Big Brother is good at that where it's, like, they keep that interaction very, very limited. But at the same time, like there is a lot of things that like sometimes a, a, a mechanic in the puzzle or uh, in the game goes wrong, you know, and then you got to hold and then, you know, you got some like a bunch of dudes come out with a drill and they just start drilling shit, you know, and, and then they just run out. It's like uh, they're still going to have to cut to fishes uh, is again another term from the live feeds, uh, but they're going to have to like cut the feed, uh, you know, so that you don't see that or they're going to show that what is going to happen. Um, or, I, I think I already know. I can imagine how this is going to play out. So, like, let's take for example the HOH competition. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jeff from Jeff and Jordan. Can't remember his last name. Don't care to. Uh, he'll he'll be hosting uh, the the HOH competition live show uh, talk show. So <laughs> yeah. while they're getting set up, he'll be talking to people about things and what they think about gameplay. And this is an interesting competition. They'll bring in somebody to talk about how they built it. Then the next person's up and they're going. Okay. You know, that's the old, I, like, I guess. I love that. Old. I'll watch that though. That sounds great. Good on them. If that's their plan, like I'll watch that. That sounds good. Allison, you can take that one for free. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Allison, I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm sure. You know they've got they've got the uh, constant uh, oh. Big Brother Illuminati monitoring everything. <laughs> exactly. I can't say anything. Um, so, do you? I, I guess my last question uh, on this over abused topic would be: when it uh, finally boils down to it, and you've been out of the house for a while, do you still have those mornings where you wake up and you? You have to actually realize, no, wait, I'm not in the house right now. No, uh, that that doesn't happen. That like that kind of goes away about three to four months. There's there's a good portion of time where literally uh, you check your 
back pocket because so you always have your mic your level ear microphone always on you it's always in your pocket and you know like there'll be times where you like kind of feel your your collar piece like is my microphone on here it's like oh yeah no i'm not in the big brother house um that kind of happens for a long time afterwards there'll be times when i do have those big brother dreams where i wake up and i'm like where the hell am i like i'm not in the big brother house and like waking up in the big brother house is another one of those times where you're like you wake up at the big brother house and like, where the hell am I? Like, what is going on? There's lights that are just going on. I hear weird music and people talking. It's so odd. Um, so it's all a very surreal experience. Um, but yeah, I'm over that point, I guess. Uh, but every time I do have a big brother dream, I wake up and I feel like I'm still in that house for a second. Uh, well, especially since you had that tangibility. So the reality is probably pretty heavy. Absolutely. So, um, most importantly, um, first of all, uh, anything you want to promote, uh, while you're talking Ooh. to us today. So I do, uh, this, uh, I do a YouTube show called on the block. Um, I used to do it with Spencer. Spencer kind of fell off. Um, I kind of am doing it with Jason Roy from last season. But pretty much we get down and dirty and talk about real Big Brother stuff and just kind of like uh, just like the very intelligent uh, conversations about the ins and outs of the game and uh, the inner workings of people. Um, it, yeah, it's on the block on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of pretty good episodes, but I've been kind of falling off just cause I've been getting really busy with, uh, two jobs and stuff like that. But, um, if you want a good place for a good resource of big brother info and, uh, yeah, go to on the block uh, on YouTube, but also you can always hit me up on Twitter at McCray chum, M C C R A E C H U M. Um, I will answer every question all the time. Uh, my DMS are open. If you want to talk, if you want to know anything, or if you want help with casting, I'm always there to help. I'm always a good resource. Uh, pretty much as long as you're not a dick, I'll always answer your questions and give you any information you guys need to know. Um, and I'll always give my opinions. Uh, but yeah, if you also want to say hi, shit, I'll do that too. Um, yeah. That's about right. it. Cool. Uh, what's the one piece of technology you can't live without? Ooh, my brain. No, <laughs> no. Uh, my computer. I fucking I bought this computer with Big Brother money, and this thing's a beasto. It just destroys uh, just all games. I'm I'm on Twitch and shit like that. You know, just uh, yeah. I've never had a computer that could actually run a video game. Uh, yeah, my parents are poor as shit. So uh, now that I finally have like this just badass computer. Uh, that's that's the one piece of technology I can't live without. I, I really I love it so much. What's your uh, favorite game right now? Ooh, my favorite game right now. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, a lot of Overwatch competitive. Um, I started uh, playing No Man's Sky, which is pretty. I mean, a lot of people are down on it, but I'm a person that likes physics in games, so it's like I can just explore these physics for nonstop and just try to push it to the limit. So, uh, I'm a person that likes to jump up mountains in Skyrim and all that kind of stupid shit. So. I love that kind of stuff. Um, what what about the iPhone? You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. With the, actually, that was interesting, too. Uh, so when we were setting this up, one thing I often do, somebody gives me their number to text them. I'll always go to one of my uh, Apple or iDevices <laughs> I've got around, and I'll send them a message. So that way I know if they're an iPhone user or not, because <laughs> it, you can iMessage iPhone users as long as you got their phone number. Yeah. Um I, uh, so I, but I've been an Android guy for better part of almost two years now, just because I, I keep getting gadgets that work better with non Apple devices, like my, my Pebble watch, or I had Google glass. I still have Google glass. It's my sunglasses. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, it just worked better, but you know, you're an iPhone user. So what did you think about the, the announcements on the new iPhone? 
So before Big Brother, I fucking loathe. Uh, I didn't even have a smartphone before Big Brother, but I was always kind of like, fuck Macs and fuck all that bullshit. Like, I hate Apple and I hate the fucking users of Apple. They're like, well, I can't even figure out how to get into a window. Like, I, I, like, for whatever reason, I would just talk shit about them nonstop. Um, but when I came out, Amanda was an iPhone user. A good portion of my cast was iPhone users. So they pretty much like browbeat me into getting iPhone just so we could Apple Messenger, FaceTime, like I use that. Uh, So for a long time now, I've been like on the Apple train of getting the new Apple phones. But this is crossing the line. This is where it's like, nope, see you later. It's almost where I'm at with Nintendo. Same thing where it's like, well, fuck you too. Like, you don't even want to consider what I use my Apple iPhone for. My iPhone is 90% hooked up to my headphones or hooked up to an auxiliary cable listening to podcasts like you're gonna fucking take a shit all over that like everything in the fucking world like all music production usually no one's using fucking bluetooth for like listening on their headphones like I, at least maybe i don't know but i don't want wireless signals assholes i want fucking cables like i don't care fuck you apple sorry sorry all you apple uh, uh like uh, no, no, I, I, I'm actually really excited about this because I've been, I, you know, for me, I've been on Bluetooth headphones for a little while. I, mm-hmm. I got, I've got these ones, even though you see I'm, I'm wired in on it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm the same way and I, I really can't see them saving that much space. And, and I think the, the internet has been genuinely displeased. So I'm, I'm excited to talk, to talk to somebody who's like, no way, especially since they're, compromises oh but we'll give you a lightning to headphone converter dongle so you don't want dongles i don't want that shit like i I like and like the one thing that the saving grace for it is pretty much that they're like oh well you know it's uh you can drop it in water and literally i just dropped my phone like probably a month ago in water completely broken my iphone so i had to get a new one but you know what i would rather fucking pay that money to keep my fucking jack my uh, my auxiliary jack i don't care i don't care about water like i should just be more careful and not be a fucking idiot like that's my thing about it uh, like uh, i'll buy a new case or i'll buy a waterproof case or some shit like i just want to be able to plug anything into it like audio wise like i'm an i love audio so uh, whatever like i need that capability and to give me like okay well you got to convert it through 70 different things it's like that's all you ever do is sell me converters assholes like the lightning to hdmi converter like i gotta buy that shit too for my girlfriend's imac like that's bullshit like it's again it's like nintendo where Nintendo wants to just sell you bullshit. They want to sell you little peripherals that make uh, that make you spend more on Nintendo, and it keeps them uh, selling stuff. I'm gonna lose like wireless uh, headbuds. I'll lose those immediately. I'm an idiot. I'm a- what do they call them? They call them AirPods. And if you guys haven't seen them, just, <laughs> yeah. just think of the average uh, Apple headphones. Clip them where the wire meets the rubber, uh, uh, like uh, cable protectors. Essentially, what it is. <laughs> And these are the wireless headphones that Apple has come up with. And the number one thing I've heard people say is, I'm so excited to see these amazing headphones that I'll probably lose the first time I run with them. Immediately. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, as much as like a, a gnarled mess of like cable that this is, 
Like, I can always see exactly where this is in my room. Like, I'll, I'll still have to, like, um, pull it apart and to get it to the full capacity. But I know where this is. I know always that this is just a stupid mess in my room. And I love these headphones. These are not bad headphones. Why screw with that? Because it's trying to push innovation. It's trying to be like, oh, we're so innovative and, uh, you know, oh, we're Apple. We do things differently. No, you're just fucking doing stuff just to piss people. Or just to, like, just to, like, uh, gain more money uh, i don't know it bothers me because it's not pushing innovation that is not innovation um again taking away uh, the um uh, tactile response of like button pushing on a phone that's not innovation i'm sorry but tactile response is how you know that you're pushing a button i cannot stand it when i'm trying to type and it's just like i don't know what the fuck i'm typing i wish i knew what a button was uh, like I, I hear a click, I hear, uh, I see a letter come up, but I want tactile response. Like I'm still so stone age when it comes to that thing. I, I want a button. I want the sidekick, like, or whatever the, that one was that you flip, you got a button. I want keyboards. I want when I push a button, stuff happens. I, I don't want just to believe it on its own uh, magic. I don't know. Maybe I, that's the reason idiot. why we have such horrible uh, texting, spelling, and etiquette now because Absolutely. we're so disassociated from the process. And that's how I am too, where it's like, well, I'm on my iPhone. I don't give a shit what the grammar is going to come out. I'm going to say a bunch, like, doesn't matter. Like, if it comes out wrong, I don't care. I spent too much time typing away at this stupid thing in the first place. Like, I've already wasted my time sending you a text, or not you personally. but <laughs> Well, you know, and the nice thing too is, I think, uh, especially since almost every virtual keyboard now has some type of predictive text once you've already sent a bad text message to somebody just follow it up building sentences strictly from intuitive text like if it thinks it knows the next word you're going to say just run with it keep picking them go ahead <laughs> just go be, with it <laughs> let it ride that's what i say yeah. just let it ride I that's see, and that's a, the way that I feel. Like, I, I again, I get so many people on Twitter like, "Oh, here's your grammar lesson, fuckface." Like, blee blee blee. Here you did this wrong, and it's like, well, I was just typing really quick. Like, I don't care. Like, I've already spent too much time on you assholes. Sorry. Like, uh, uh yeah, whatever. Uh, that's that's my rant for the night. <laughs> well, I'm glad we helped you get the poison out of your system. Oh, it felt great. It felt great. I'm glad. Yeah, I didn't. I. Not being an Apple user anymore, I don't have to uh, to worry about being so passionate about it. And, and honestly, <laughs> I, I really might because uh, from a design standpoint, uh, I, I well, case in point, uh, when I got one of those life-proof cases for my iPhone back in the day, mm -hmm. uh, I got pissed off the moment the, uh, the waterproof dongle that it had for extending the headphone jack out. Once that shorted out, my case was useless. Like I... And yeah. so at that point, I kind of felt what the pain was because now suddenly I don't really have the option of using this case and using my headphones. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think, too, when uh, like on the, the bigger one, because naturally we all want bigger phones now. My Absolutely. daughter, by the way, who is 13 now, she yeah. actually wanted to go down to that special edition one that's more like the... Uh, well, actually, and this is sad. I was going through a, a drawer in the house, and I, I found an old iPhone. Just, but it's about this size. It's like the four size, okay, or five. And uh, and she liked it because it's a smaller form factor. But in the bigger one, uh, they have like two camera lenses now, so they could take really nice pictures. But did you notice that 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 housing for the camera lenses is actually 
extends above the surface of the back of the phone. Oh, really? Okay. So it's almost like an annoying kickstand that you're just waiting to scratch the protective glass on. Of course, of course. Uh, Yeah, and the other thing about that is like, okay, well, now you're getting your camera shit on point. Like, uh, Android's been, and all the other phones, like, they've been working on their cameras for way longer. It just feels like, I don't know, iPhone has neglected their cameras, I feel like, for just like most of the time um I, I might be talking out of my ass but it just seems like they don't give a shit like oh no, they only, just because they complain people complain squeaky wheel gets the grease like no i can tell you i don't know what it is about the the hubris of apple and i admit i used to get really pissy when i had an iphone and they would announce new features and the android people were like yeah we had that two operating systems we already ago. had that exactly uh, but it's true. After they introduced an innovative, innovated, it seems like they have continuously been behind the technological uh, side. So much so, like the pictures I was taking two years ago in Texas on whatever Android that was at the time, I was the picture quality people were talking on from that Android. They were just like, "Dude, it's insane." Well, and uh, and to go full circle is Dr. Will. Apple is Dr. Will and they're going to be like, uh, you know, like everyone let's uh let's do a fast. We're going to get rid of our uh we're going to get rid of our head uh, phone jacks, you know? And it's pretty much like uh, separating the, the sheep like and all the stupid little iPhone users that I can't even use anything else. Uh, yeah, of course I'll go with you. And this is the greatest innovation that's ever happened to iPhones. Like it, they're, it, they're just separating out their their market, and they're going to keep their market dumb. They're going to keep them fucking complacent. Uh, good job, Dr. Will Apple iPhones. I, I got I like the analogy. I like the way you brought it all back around, dude. That was yeah. wonderful. <laughs> um, well, McCray, I got to say thank you very much for your time. I, no, and, no, no. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure, of course. To our, to our listening audience, if you made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I know you uh, did. But, no, I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I really felt like for the longest time, uh, I was more of an isolated viewer uh, because it seemed like only in my immediate circle would I hear people talking about Big Brother, but somewhere around season six or seven, I think, it seems like it started to branch out and more people were talking about it. So much so that I'm glad because I'm, I'm, I always look forward uh, to the summer and Big Brother season. It's always recorded in my household because Absolutely. like we've said, it's an amazing, um, it, it's literally in many ways like watching a televised version of Lord of the Fl Flies. Just Absolutely. You know, Nobody has a conch and Piggy doesn't get killed. <laughs> yeah. So, and for, and I, I would really encourage anyone, if you want to see the way that closed quarters can really affect the human psyche and the way that we, we do really break down in these confined social interactions, um, you got to watch Big Brother. And, and uh, if you want to uh, see this, this new version that's going to play out on CBS All Access. I think it's only like five ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month. I think uh, it's five ninety nine a month or something like that. Uh, there's a lot more benefit to it. You're going to get the new. Um, you're going to get the new Star Trek series. I think all of the all of the episodes of. Uh, 
past I know are the past seasons on there? The, all the past seasons are on all of the seasons one through uh, eighteen are all on there. You're gonna get Twin Peaks, uh, a full collection of Twin Peaks. You got all sorts of crazy shows, Miami Vice, like CBS All Access, and they just changed over so that there's no commercials during all this stuff. Like before, ah. I was like CBS All Access is bullshit. At least I get Twin Peaks. That's kind of cool. Like. Like I get that, you know, um, I get to watch old season Big Brother, but now that they've switched over to no commercials, we're going for CBS All Access. Uh, yeah, I, like I, I wish I had like a little reference coupon to get some money back on this bullshit. But yeah, uh, I, I think I think there's two tiered plans. So if you can tolerate commercials, it's five ninety nine, or you can pay nine ninety nine a month and you get commercial free access ooh, to this stuff. Uh, all you got to do is go to netheadsonair.com, click the CBS All Access access to banner right there and you can sign up uh, you can watch all the old stuff you can catch up uh, uh with the current you can watch this new season of big brother and i'll admit because of its uniqueness uh, current i knew i was going to have to get a cbs all access account when the star trek news was announced oh, now yeah. i'm probably going to jump on it uh, so just go to netheadsonair.com click the cbs all access link to get signed up if you want to absolutely uh, we definitely appreciate it because that is one of the very few ways we get very few shekels around here. Uh, yes. And uh, as McRae said, please go to YouTube.com uh, and just check out On the Block, his show, uh, where he does uh, get really inside baseball, I'm sure, with, uh, mm -hmm. with Big Brother as well. Not to mention uh, they have an actual – by the way, what is it with uh, people that have to yell in the diary room? What the fuck is with these people? <sighs> because yelling is an easy way to uh, mask uh, – like just not being entertaining hey so i'm over here and i'm blah, blah. like that's the easiest way to like okay well you're you're not feeling it so you just yell you know like instead of being like animated like hey well you know i was over here like it's just it's just a uh, lazy it's a lazy person thing that's well, what th i feel thank you for not being one of them i i <laughs> I, I, I was very aware of that where I was like, I don't want to be the yeller. I know everyone hates the yeller. Like I'm going to use my body to emote instead of just screaming. Dude, Paul, this season, bro, <laughs> his, his diary rooms. And, uh, it, you know, one thing too, by the way, if you want to catch a, at least the last few episodes, to find what we were talking about, it's very interesting too, because the, in these, this final five that are currently in the house, two of them are returning game players from past seasons. That's right. Yeah, James and uh, Nicole. Nicole. Yeah, it's, uh, by the way, her diary rooms alone. I, like the moment I saw she was, <laughs> she was one of the people that came back. I oh I, golly, yeah, just oh the worst. It was just an audible oh crap. Yep, uh, she'll make your ears bleed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, please, and, and as uh, McCray pointed out too, he's McCray Chum on uh, Twitter. So give him a follow because he, God, he needs some followers, man. <laughs> Those numbers are just—I uh, don't know—and and if you did come over because uh, McCray checked it out, hey, do me a favor, just subscribe to Netheads. I don't care if you listen to it at all. Absolutely, all right, let's just do it. Just download it to your device. That's all. I'm, you can delete it afterwards. Uh, don't use it on a metered data plan. I wouldn't want you to spend any money, but for the free stuff, just subscribe and download that. That's all I'm asking for now. No, and you got to listen to those Josh episodes, you know, like uh, they all know Josh, uh, Dude, all my people. I, I got to be honest. If it weren't for the fact that I saw that Josh seems to have been doing a lot of stuff, he was actually going to be my first go-to because honestly, I, I I really view this interview as kind of like cashing in a card. It's like, okay, well, you got that one, cha-ching, you're done. No, thank you. Uh, you no. Got your, this is your Disney Fast Pass. Congratulations, no line. Once me and Josh uh, unveil our next project, we'll both be on and we'll we'll do another one. 
I'd Dude, love that to be back. Be, that I'd would love be awesome. To be back. Especially, uh, you know, if there's a, a good reason for you to be here. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not a good reason. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like, like a good, like something to plug. And God knows, yeah. dude, do it on a podcast with more downloads, okay? <laughs> but we'll welcome you here because if there is no bad press, then we are definitely the place you want to press. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for listening. Those of us that live, if you downloaded, thank you so much as well. Until next time, uh, I'm Will. I'm McRae. Oh my God, dude. I love it when people just step in and automatically do that. No prompt, uh, no nothing. I love podcasts. I'll do it. <laughs> broadcast pro, broadcast pro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, you can always find us free and funny, especially in one location, and that is at smodcast.com. Thank you, Trent, and uh, thank you, McCray. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker signing off. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. NetHeads. NetHeads. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Now, another thing I didn't talk to you about is the fact that we always have this stupid stinger at the end of the episode. I mean, I don't know why we close out the episode and do this, <laughs> other than the fact that I always Encore. used to love—I always used to love like bonus tracks on albums. Right? I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I didn't talk to you about it all. So we don't need to say anything funny, other than just thanks everybody for tuning in. I really appreciate. No, it. absolutely. I, I I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, at the beginning of the episode you talked about how there was a wall shouter, uh, like in the early seasons of Big Brother. Oh, yeah, no, I think that was, do- yeah, that was in the very first season. The, the crazy so, megaphone lady. Literally, there's been a wall shouter within the last week uh, with a megaphone or whatever. And so I took to Twitter and I started going at the, this person like, you're a self-entitled little song bitch. Like, you're a, probably a reject, ca- uh, casting reject. Like, and now I'm just getting piled on in hate and just pain. Uh, uh, I, I should not have opinions on Twitter. <laughs> what a yeah. mistake. Well, that's too bad, but come on. You're, it, production manipulates enough. We don't need outside forces doing that too, right? Exactly. Uh, again, if it's an experiment, uh, you want to keep uh, as little amount of variables in that experiment as possible. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Production puts uh, so many variables in it in the first place. I, I don't want any extra variables outside. So if you're one of those people that needs to influence a show that you like so badly that you would drive to LA to go to the house and scream something over it just for your five seconds of satisfaction, like uh, go reevaluate everything you know uh i hate you and give that money to charity you lose absolutely